Chapter 7 of The Radio Planet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Radio Planet by Ralph Milne Farley. Chapter 7 Radio Once More. So Archie Lou, the furry beauty, planned to marry Miles Cabot, the Earthman, he who already loved and was wed by Lilla of Cupia. A happy prospect, indeed. Yet he dared not repulse the Verkingian maiden, lest thereby he lose his chance of returning to his home and family. For at last he had formulated a plan of action, namely to arm the hordes of Verkingia lead them against the ant-men, seize an ant-plane, and with it fly back to Cupia. So for the present he appeared to fall in with matrimonial whim of the princess. Early the next morning, however, as he was prowling around inside the tent, testing his weak legs, he overheard a conversation on the outside which changed the situation considerably. But father remonstrated a voice which miles recognized as that of archie lou i found him and therefore he's mine i want him he is beautiful beautiful hm a stern male voice sarcastically replied he must be without any fur oh to think that my royal daughter would wish to wed a freak of nature and a common soldier at that he's not a common soldier asserted the voice of Archie Lou. He wears clothes merely so as to preserve his health for my sake. Well, a sickly cripple, then, answered her father's voice. Which is just as bad. At all events, Judd is the leader of this expedition, and therefore this captive belongs to him. You can save him only if Judd so wills. It is the law. Miles Cabot stealthily crossed the tent and put his eye to an opening between the curtains at the tent opening. There stood the familiar figure of Archie Lou, and confronting her was a massive male Verking. His fur, however, was snow white, so that his general appearance resembled that of a polar bear. His face was appropriately harsh and cold. This was Theoph, the Grim, ruler of the Verkings. The dispute continued, and then there approached another man of the species. The newcomer, Blackford, was short, squat, and gnarled, yet possessed of unquestionable intelligence and a certain dignity which clearly indicated that he was of noble rank. He wore a leather helmet and carried a wooden lance. Theoph the Grim hailed him with, Oh, Judd, what brings you here? Judd raised his spear diagonally across his chest as a salute and replied, A change of plans, Excellency. Upon reaching the river, I decided that it would be wiser not to return to Verkingi by that route. Really meaning, Archilou interposed with a laugh, that you found it impossible to throw a bridge across at that point. Why do you always doubt the reasons for my actions? Judd asked in an aggrieved tone. You wrong me, she replied. I never doubt your reasons. Your reasons are always of the best. What I doubt is your excuses. Enough, enough, the king shouted. 
for i wish to discuss more immediate matters than nice distinctions of language judd's reasons or excuses or whatever are good enough for me judd i wish to inform you that my daughter has recently captured a strange furless being whom it is my pleasure to turn over to you i have not yet seen this oddity father please Archilou begged but at this juncture miles exasperated by theof's remarks parted the tent curtains and stepped out look well o king he shouted here stands miles cabot the minorian beast from another world freak of nature sickly cripple common soldier and all that look well o king a bit loud-mouthed i should say theof the grim sniffed not one whit abashed watch him crumple at the presence of a real man added judd the excuse-maker suiting the action to the word the latter stepped over to miles and suddenly slapped him on the face as a boy the earthman had often seen larger boys point to their cheek or shoulder with the words there is an electric button there touch it and something will fly out and hit you but never as a boy had he dared to press the magic button for he could well imagine the result such a result now occurred to judd for the instant his fingers touched cabot's cheek out flew cabot's clenched fist smacked to the point of judd's jaw and tumbled him in the dust judd picked himself up snarling shook himself and then rushed bull-like at the earthman who stood his ground ducked the flying arms of his antagonist and tackled him as in the old football days at college judd was thrown for a four-yard loss with much of the breath knocked out of his body the off the grim with a worried frown and arky lou the beautiful with an entranced smile stood by and watched the contest the ver king noble lay motionless on his back as miles scrambled to his knees astride the other's body and placed his hands on the other's shoulders but suddenly the underdog threw up his left leg caught miles on the right shoulder and pushed him backward in an instant both men were on their feet again glaring at each other then they clinched and went down once more this time with judd on top theof's look changed to a smile and archilou became worried but before judd had time to follow up his advantage cabot secured a hammerlock around his neck and shoulders and then slowly forced him to one side until their positions were reversed and the shoulders and hips of the furry one were squarely touching the ground in a wrestling match this would have constituted a victory for miles cabot but this was a fight and not a mere wrestling match so the earthman secured a hammerlock again and turned judd the excuse maker over until he lay prone whereupon the victor rubbed the nose of the vanquished back and forth in the dirt until he heard a muffled sound which he took to be the Verkingian equivalent of the nuff, so familiar to every pugnacious American schoolboy. His honor satisfied, Judd arose, brushed himself off, and vowed to the two spectators. Judd sheepishly got to his feet as well. All the fight knocked out of him. They off stared at the victor with displeasure and at his own countrymen with disgust. But Archilou rushed over to Cabot with a little cry, flung her arms around him, and drew him within the tent. 
as they passed through the curtains miles heard judd the excuse maker explaining to the king i decided to let him beat me so that thereby i might give pleasure to her whom i love inside the tent archilou bathed the scratches and bruises of the earthman and hovered around him and fussed over him as though he had accomplished something much more wonderful than merely to have come out on top in a schoolboy rough-and-tumble fight miles was very sorry that it all had happened in the first place he had lost his temper which was to his discredit in the second place he had made a hero of himself in the eyes of the lady whose love he was most anxious to avoid and in the third place he had fought the man who was best calculated to protect him from that undesired love altogether he had made a mess of things and all he could do about it was meekly submit to the ministrations of the furry princess what a life finally archilou departed leaving cabot alone with recriminations for his rashness longings for his own princess lilla and worries for her safety the next day the expedition took up its delayed start homeward judd having found a route which required no alibis the tents were struck and were piled with the other impedimenta on two-wheeled carts which the common soldiers pulled with long ropes in spite of archilou's pleadings miles was assigned to one of these gangs theof grimly remarking if the hairless one is well enough to vanquish judd he is well enough to do his share of the work judd explained to archilou that the real reason why he had suggested this was that he sincerely believed that the exercise would be good for cabot's health during one of the halts when judd happened to be near cabot's gang the earthman strode over to the commander who instinctively cringed at his approach i'm not fighting today miles assured the bear king with an engaging smile but may i have a word with you so the two withdrew a short distance out of earshot of the rest and miles continued i do not love archilou the beautiful you do let us understand one another and help one another you assist me to keep away from the princess and i shall assist you by keeping away from the princess later i shall make further suggestions as to how we can cooperate to mutual advantage i have spoken judd stared at him with perplexed admiration who are you he asked who stands unabashed in the presence of kings and nobles who addresses a superior without permission and yet without offensive familiarity i am cabot the minorian the other replied ruler over cupia a nation larger and more powerful than yours a race of fearsome beasts have landed on the western shores of your continent they are enemies of mine and will become enemies of yours as they extend their civilization and run counter to yours impossible judd exclaimed for how could these mythical creatures cross the boiling seas to land on our shores by magic answered miles magic which they stole from me and they held me prisoner until i overthrew their magic and escaped to be found by your expedition then you are a magician 
yes ah that explains how you defeated me in combat yesterday judd asserted with a relieved sigh we will let it go at that miles agreed smiling but to continue let me frankly warn you that unless you destroy these formians they will eventually destroy you they now possess magic against which you their kings would be powerless magic methods of soundless speech magic devices for transmitting that speech as far as from here to verkingi magic wagons which can travel through the air and at such a speed that they could go from here to verkingi and back in a twelfth part of a day and magic bows which shoot death-dealing pellets faster than the speed of sound and which could outrange your bows and arrows ten to one but if you will give me a workroom and materials and keep Arky Lou away from me, I can devise magic which will overcome their magic and which will make Verkingi the unquestioned master of this whole continent, in spite of the Roys and the Formians. Then I shall seize one of the Formian magic wagons, fly back in it to my own country, and leave you in peaceful dominion over this continent. What do you say? i say the ver king replied that you are an amusing fellow and an able spinner of yarns but you talk with evident earnestness and sincerity therefore i shall give you your workshop and your materials but on one condition namely that you entertain us likewise i have spoken and thus it came to pass that judd the excuse-maker attached the earthman to his personal retinue and placed a laboratory at his disposal upon the return arrival of the expedition at verkingi this city was built entirely of wood it was surrounded by a high stockade and was divided by stockades into sections each presided over by a noble save only the central section which housed the retinue of theof himself within the sections each family had its own walled-off enclosure all streets and alleys passed between high wooded walls the buildings and fences were carved and gaudily colored as the returning expedition approached the great wall they were met by blasts of trumpet music from the parapets then a huge gate opened and they passed inside here they quickly separated and each detachment hastened to the quarter of the nobleman from whom they had been drawn judd and his detachment proceeded down many a high wall street until they came to a gate bearing the insignia of judd himself inside there were more streets of the same character through which judd's retinue dispersed to the gates of their own little enclosures until judd and miles cabot were left alone the noble led his new acquisition to a gate this enclosure is vacant judd explained it will be yours enter and take possession within you will find a small house and a shop serving maids will be sent from my own household to make you comfortable repair to my palace tonight and tell me some more stories meanwhile good-bye for the present and he strode off and disappeared around the bend in the street cabot passed in through the gate he found a well from which he drew water to fill a carefully fashioned wooden pool scarce had he finished bathing when a group of furry girls arrived from the house of his patron 
bearing brooms and blankets and food one of them also bore a note which read as follows if you love me you will find a way to reach me arky lou and if not what said miles to himself after he had rested and dined and the place had been made thoroughly neat all the girls withdrew save the one who had brought the note she informed him that her name was Queven, and that she had been ordered to remain in the enclosure as his servant she was small and lithe her hair was a brilliant yellow gold and her eyes were blue if it had not been for her fur she would have passed for a twin to his own lilla this fact brought an intense pang to him and caused such a wave of homesickness that he sat down on the couch and hid his face in his hands but the pretty creature made no attempt to comfort him instead she merely remarked half aloud to herself i wonder what arky lou could possibly see in him even art the terrible is much more handsome finally miles arose with more determination and courage than he had felt at any time since his return to poros guided by Queven, he set out for judd's dwelling firmly resolved to take steps that very night which would result eventually in his reaching Kupia and rescuing his family from the renegade yuri judd's palace was elaborate and barbaric judd himself was seated on a divan surrounded by verkingian beauties they all were frankly inquisitive to see this hairless creature from another world yet they rather turned up their pretty noses at him when they found him dressed like a common soldier cabot regaled the gathering with an account of his first arrival on poros and of the two wars of liberation which had freed cupia from the domination of the ants all the while he was most eager to get down to business with the noble yet he realized that he had been employed for a definite purpose namely storytelling and that his first duty was to please his patron finally the ladies withdrew and miles cabot the radio man began his first discussion of radio that he had undertaken since his return to poros end of chapter seven recording by john brandon